This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Good evening, you are listening to Love Sport Radio. Me, Matt Beadle, here with the boys from Bissotted, Robin Hood, McMichael, XG Dave Anderson and Gary G People. Yes, it Hello. is the Brentford Fan Show. Now, we're going to be talking about another <clears throat> misfiring performance from the Bees on Saturday against Stoke City. Was it the same old problems against the bottom of the league side? We're going to listen to what the fans and Thomas Frank had to say after the game. Is it finally time to switch that Formation. Also, we're going to be speaking to Jerno Jim Lavac, as well as discussing what Brentford fans should be grateful for, gents, what we should be grateful for. We're going to get on to that game at the weekend. But first, how are we all? Was Sunday a good day? Sunday was much better than the football. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah I, I had a nice little pick-me-up. I went to, um, went to my, local, my local pub with my mate Ed the Head and uh, watched uh, England. It was, yeah, that was the, that was the day where it was. Yeah, it was rugby, Had a breakfast, had a Bloody Mary and tried to think about anything other than football, to be quite <laughs> honest. Yeah. I feel like this is Groundhog Day a bit because this time last week we were in a similar position one win in six what is it failing to score four out of the last mm. five yeah it's not good we wanted to talk about anything but the football that's what we were thinking about <laughs> pretty much yeah yeah well Dave you were saying you were in the commentary box on I Saturday. was yeah I had the, had the pleasure of uh, up in the gantry sort of looking at the game and commentating on it um, yeah great experience really exciting yeah really lucky to do it exciting are you sure about that yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. prospect yeah. exciting prospect so you get there it's a uh, great fun full house lovely day and then um, you get dish up what we had on, on Saturday so didn't pick the best one to do did I <laughs> <laughs> it is tough when the weather is like that and I saw that I mean listen I wasn't at the game but you're struggling when even the highlights are a bit boring and you yeah. can't wait for a three minute highlight reel to finish yeah. I think it was even, even the club's official Twitter account did say don't hold out for the DVD of this one so I think <laughs> yeah. it was, it was, it, the general consensus was <laughs> so. yeah um, no, no real highlights hmm. no. yeah so what are we taking from the game well, again, we were, you know, apart from one mishap towards the end, which um, was funny. I can't remember how it ended up, but they ended up having a one-on-one with our keeper. Yeah. And 
Both teams were so bad, I did not think that he was going to score. But I sat there and calmly said, he'll miss it. As he like, I saw him lining it up, straightening up and, you know, it was, you know, tick follows tock, follows tick follows tock and <laughs> Raya just nabbed it off his... Um, yeah, it was great keeping from Raya, wasn't it? It was. He really dug us out of a hole there. But yeah, it was a mix-up between Pontus and um, Rico and someone slipped and then just turned around and Tobo was in, wasn't he? And yeah. I, I, I was worried. I actually was worried then. I thought that was a goal, personally. I'm taking I'm taking away the fact that the referee slipped over. Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that was quite funny. <laughs> I think it was from... I think it was, it was, it was in an unorthodox um, situation as well because it was almost... I think it was from a, a Stoke attack, corner. They were on attack, weren't they? I think it was a Stoke corner yeah. or a free kick or something like that mm. and Andy Woolmer just went over yeah. like a sack of whatever you want to call it it was, I mean, yeah, it was really, really biggest cheer funny. of the day didn't yeah, it that was yeah, yeah pretty much <laughs> That yeah. did seem to be the highlight of the game, the ref falling over. David Ray, of course, has eight clean sheets. Oh, no, three clean sheets and eight now. For yeah, yeah. it's third clean sheet of the season. Yeah, it's impressive. But just going back to the weather, I know we talked about the weather last time, but the fact that it is a sunny day, when you watch football in that environment, you are just hoping for something enjoyable to watch. Did you guys, like, lap it up before the game? Did well, you meet fans and, and do what you normally do? Well, I was, I was, I was saying to... Um, Dave in the pub beforehand before we came here that um, I'm sorry the production meeting um, <laughs> it, 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 it sort of harked back to the first game of last season when we smashed Rotherham 5-1 it was a glorious mm. sunny day yeah. and I, I went in there with a sort of a slight sense of uh, modest anticipation thinking okay maybe we could actually sort of you know you know, do do something similar to Derby, and you know, take a team to Griffin Park that's not um, performing very, very well, and uh, and wipe the floor with them. But obviously, that ended up not being the case. Was it as bad as it was the previous week against Preston? Well, we we thought about this, and uh, I don't think no, it was. It wasn't, no, it wasn't as bad. No, yeah, no it was That's bad. probably what we can take away yeah. from the game is that it wasn't as bad as um, as, uh, as Preston. Yeah, I mean, the main thing is we didn't concede, and as I said last time, I was on the show a couple of weeks ago. It does concern me that we, because we're not scoring goals, we just can't afford to concede, and we didn't concede. Um, and as I said, apart from that mishap at, towards the end, um, we did look solid at the back. Yeah. I- well, yeah, it's just, I'm just listening to that. It's so unbrentford, isn't it? <laughs> mm. Just let's make sure we don't concede, keep it tight, keep it tight. <laughs> so. Well, it was funny. I listened to um, Henrik Dalsgaard's interview after the game, and it was quite, it was quite interesting watching him because he was... <sighs> He was a bit uh, speaking like that, basically. Yeah. You know, oh, I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's good because we're solid at the back, and actually, we need to focus more on what we're doing in attack. And he yeah. said, if he could take it that they were like they were this season as opposed to last season, he'd take the current situation. Mm. Yeah, well, I suppose he did. Well, he, one thing that he was quite um, uh, quick to point out, and I think it was a very astute observation, is he did say last season that we probably would have lost that game. I think um, Daniel Bentley yeah. would have brought down uh, their striker going through on goal, as opposed to David Raya, and we probably would have it would have been hit with that sucker punch and lost it. And I thought that was a very astute observation, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I do. I think he was right there. I think we probably would have lost that game last year, but I mean, we were we were sort of millimeters from losing it, so it doesn't mean to, it doesn't ring too much with me. The interview was a bit desperate though with Dalsgaard Blessing. It was, it was, it was just a bit sort of he he, he genuinely looked quite clueless in terms of the sort of that he didn't understand. He couldn't quite sort of articulate no. what he was trying to say. It was that sort of it was very very flat. And, and he it's said it's to, hard, didn't he? He said, "Oh, it's just hard." It's all right, Henrik. Don't worry about it, mate. <laughs> yeah. He did say he said different positions, and everybody's trying yeah. to get used to them. And then the question was posed to him as to whether he was happy to play in that centre back role. And he actually said, "Well, I'd, I'd rather play on the wing." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's quite telling, I think, at the same well, time. Well, yeah, it revealed absolutely loads. So basically, you just got a player there exposing that there's, they're being asked to do things that mm. aren't natural. He's uh, not in the, probably the favoured position, and I mean, they are footy players. They have to do what they're told. They have to. It's, the coach is obviously there to tell them what to do, but. 
you're, you're trying to get the most out of players, aren't you? You're not trying to sort of prohibit them. And that's something mm. we said in the last few weeks. And I think there is a feeling of that at the moment of the side. Yeah, well, it was, it was, it's two weeks now that we've had interviews post-game. And usually Thomas Frank and the players uh, have a, a, bit of, a bit of zhuzh about them, is I suppose a word you could, you could use there. But the last few interviews, if, whether you see them in terms of their facial expression, their body language, and also the way they're speaking, it's just a bit flat. Yeah, but again, as you said, we're still in feeling out stage of the season. And as I said, as, um, as we've just mentioned, people playing in unfamiliar positions, new guys are coming in. There's been that big churn that we were concerned about at the beginning of the season. So, I mean, we look, one of the things we champion about Brentford is you know, we bring players, we develop them. And one of the one of the ways of developing the players, making them more adaptable to different formations. So it is, it's a steep learning curve. The problem is lower down the leagues and in the past, you can athlete yourself out of situations like this where if you've got somebody that's very fast and you're not playing that well, you can give him the ball and he can just run through because the defending isn't as good and you've got, you know, being an athlete is a bit where people have got a bit more brains about them um, at our level. Um, it it does become harder when you're doing something you're not familiar with. Mm. Well, you guys were up to your usual tricks after the game, speaking to the fans to get their reaction. We we do look a lot more solid defensively than than we were at times under under other regimes and with other players in the team. But we're, we're also tepid going forward. Stoke are, are completely out of confidence. Um, but they got bodies in the way, they funnelled us wide, they know we haven't really got a, a player who can hold the ball anywhere on the edge of the box, and I think that's it. We used to kill teams by holding pressure up the pitch, and we just don't do this with this formation and these players. Um, it's, not, it's not awful, I've seen 50 to 100 worse performances here at Griffin Park over the years, but there's so much more that could be achieved with, with the setup here, and, and at the moment it's not happening. And Frank needs to look at his, this formation. Because this formation will will grind out some draws against Stoke at home, but we should be beating them. I think I'd like to see us move away from the back uh, back three. I think there's a good opportunity to play three in midfield with uh, with Norgard as a defensive midfielder, Jensen and uh, Camo further forward. I think that might give us a bit more zip and pizzazz, uh, especially at home. I think you know we should be taking taking it out teams, and we can still play. Uh, with wing backs because Norgard would just slot back in. So I think we, we need to be a bit more up and at them and just try to be more positive. Just shocking. Just, uh, it's just so disappointing. The weather's lovely. You've got a massive crowd in Griffin Park. Just nothing happened, didn't it? Just Stoke were there for the take. They're low on confidence. They've got no idea what they're doing. But I don't know. For me, Makocho's got to start. He's my first player on the team sheet. Um, Ben Rama didn't look that interested, nothing came off for him. Just, we just looked lacking any idea. It's just how many shots were there in the game from either side? Was there one each side? It's just, you know, big crowd. But my stepdaughter's come down with her mates to and you just think, why would they ever come back watching that? It's just shocking. Just so disappointing. You know, Norgard is pedestrian doing his own little bits and bobs. Jensen's got some lovely touches, he can hit a good pass, but he's not really doing it. Ben Rama's looking like, I don't know, maybe he's fancying a January move and he's not that bothered. Canos today, I thought, just was too obvious. Everything he tried to do was just telegraph. I don't know, 
they're just, yeah, no, the players aren't, you know, they're not playing to their full potential, but then, I don't know, we're just, we're just not there, are we? We're not at the races at the moment. It's just, well, they're all clicking, but that's dismal for people to, you know, come and watch that. Seasons to get older, people paying their money. It's a dismal game of football. It's just shocking. But luckily the weather's good and the beer's good in the pub. You can give all your support for the first 45 minutes. 10, 15 minutes into the second half, it's, it's the same ball every time. Same ball in their, in their last third, the same ball either crossing it in, without anyone being there, or being or their defenders are, uh, the defenders are winning the ball every time. We didn't really create many chances, did we? I thought there was a couple of chances at the end. There was probably the first time for five years we haven't played a one-two in the box when it actually was an opportunity to play it, um, which is like, quite ironic. But yeah, we, I, I thought we did all right overall, but it was just <laughs> pretty dull. Stoke, well, they've, they've had an awful start to the season, but any team that can leave Woods and Hogan out has is, is obviously got quite a lot of you know, quality there. Um, but today, they look, they look shocking, and we were shocking too. Well, a mixture, a mixture of responses there. You made a good point, Robin Hood, that it was kind of like the same as the interviews that we're going to hear from Thomas Frank, but also the one we discussed with Henrik Dalsgaard. Yeah, it was a, it was a similar sort of flat feeling and, and, and a sort of a fear of not really knowing where to start. I think it's, it's, this, it's this sense of unknown. And, and you know, they, always, you, they always say you feel what you don't understand and we can't quite understand or comprehend exactly sort of what, why some decisions are being made, why some players are playing where they're playing uh, and what the problem is to, sort of this, well, we, to start off with. I know there's a sort of an overarching we're gonna, uh, problem that we're going to talk about about in terms of formation, uh, in terms of players playing in the right positions, in terms of uh, our transfer activity and losing two key players. But yeah, it's, it's, it was just a bit flat. And it's not like the um, uh, the post-match pod uh, to be flat because, you know, the boys will go back to the pub with um, their, as Billy would say, chums from uh, <laughs> from Stoke City and wherever <laughs> it may be. Um, and yes, yeah, it's, it's just that really, really sort of not really sure what's going on feeling. Yeah, difficult. Okay, I feel like we need to get rid of this segment. We get, I mean, we say every week at the moment that we need a bit of positivity. We are going to reflect a bit more on the match, hear from Thomas Frank and discuss that all-important factor you talk about, formation on the Brentford Fan Show Love Sport. This is Love Sport and the Brentford Fan Show with the boys from Besotted. We're with you until 9pm this evening. We're looking back on the Stoke City draw, the nil-nil draw, the slightly dull and dour nil-nil draw, but we are going to try and raise spirits and dissect the game somewhat and look at the positives, but also the negatives as well. I did mention one win in six. It's a failure to score in four out of the last five. We heard from fans before the break. Of course, shocking, some people said. Nothing happened. We need to move away from the back three. Mokocho should be starting. We're going to get into all of that. But first and foremost, Dave, are we giving Stoke here enough credit? This is a team that haven't won in 168 days, but they got a draw. They did get a draw, yeah. Um, just quickly on Stoke, yeah, I, I, I don't think we probably did get enough credit. So that, that side probably came at the wrong time. So we're looking for a lift, we're looking for a big win. And actually we've come up against Stoke under, under Nathan Jones, who are fighting. They were really disciplined. Um, you can tell they're playing for him, sort of really organised. Uh, yeah, followed a game plan. Strong, physical. It, it was hard to break them down. They had sort of at times six men behind like that back six. It wasn't about four or about five. It was like a back six with a table in front of them. And uh, they, they kind of managed us in a way, and they allowed, there was something that just frustrated me a lot through it. Um, it was sort of John Vier. They, they really targeted John Vier in a sense of just allowing him to have possession of the ball, and he was our weakest player on the ball. So 
they just sort of eased off and let him have it in their left central area. So they were a lot smarter than we probably mm. gave them credit for. And the fact that we have drawn against nil nil against uh, a side in the bottom league, when yeah, we we know a bit more about the league table. They're really a mid table side who've been heavily unlucky and uh, and dropped down. They came at the wrong time for us, I think, and it was a we do need to give them a bit more credit than we probably have done. Yeah, I mean, we one thing I did notice from fairly early on was we were really struggling to pull off any dribbles at all. Um, literally within, to, and to be honest, it, it did look as if times the Stoke player just said, well, "I'm just going to wait here. You're going to walk into me, <laughs> and I'm just going to have the ball." <laughs> like, literally, literally, it was like a point. I think it was Ben Rama. Sort like there was like a shimmy, and the Stoke defender just stood there. And just walked so off what, was, the what, was, what was all that about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you and your fancy tricks. But, you know. but, I th- but we say, are we giving Stoke enough credit? But were, were, were we were we really bad, or were they just good enough to keep us to keep us at bay? Do you think? Oh god, yeah. The thing is, I think we yeah. need to put it into context. We weren't really bad. We just didn't seem to have any kind of. I don't know. We we had no sort of ideas on really. And to be honest, in their defence, there were a couple of nice moves. But in the final third, it, it, it just broke down in the final third. The amount of times that, you know, t- somebody tried to lay it off and scuffed it or flicked it behind somebody. Somebody ran past it. Enough times hit somebody on the back of the hill. And it was just one of those days where early on these little things didn't come off and then it just kind of festered on from there. Yeah, I can't remember who it was who said in the fan in the fan audio just now. Apologies for that. Um, but uh, can- the Canos option was just so obvious. And I think in t- Rico Henry barely got uh, anywhere near the... Bi- uh, the- Stoke City goal goal line at all, yeah. uh, and just everything seems to be right. Go right, go right to Canos. Go right to Canos. And as brilliant as he's been in that right wing back position, we've la- waxed lyrical about his transfer trans- transformation into that sort of role. Mm. It, it was just it was such an obvious thing, and we were always sort of thinking, right, get it out to Canos, get it out to Canos. But again, there wasn't that. There just that was that supply line, if you like, that has been quite prevalent over yeah, the past couple of days. That being wasn't there. said, though, towards the end, he 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 then kind of clicked on, and Sergi can do that sometimes. He'll be Having this thinking, and all of a sudden he just, for about 15 minutes, turns into Maradona. He looked, <laughs> he looked shattered. He looked absolutely knackered when he walked off. And I think, I think, mate, are we too? Are, have we become? Has this formation, and we'll get onto that again. We come, keep coming back to it. Have, has that become too reliant on the fact that Sergi Canos has actually become quite a, an outstanding right wing back? Yeah, absolutely. He's turning into our most important attacking player. Yeah. If we didn't, if he, if his attacking output wasn't there on Saturday, I don't, I don't think we'd have created much at all. Again, he put in off. a couple of beautiful crosses, and one at the end where yeah. I think if Corellis had. Maybe it's six weeks' time. Corellis might have gotten the end of that and scored. Possibly. I think it might just have been that lack of match sharpness in Corellis, and the ball literally kind of gone straight across the goal mouth yeah. and just wide. It, it was Savvy B in the fan audio. Then he mm. picked up and he used the words pizzazz and zip. Mm. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we've yeah. not we've not seen much pizzazz and zip from our central midfielders. And what we'll go back to is the Stoke game last season where we destroyed Nathan Jones. And he even said after the match that uh, it could have been more than three. He, he mm. just admitted that it could have been sort of five or six last year. We absolutely tore them to shreds and it was um it was Mococcio and Sawyers in the middle there and they were they they weren't messing around getting the ball out early to the wingers as soon as they as soon as they were ready they were just finding the guys on the wings in space like, uh, did we do that enough did, did well, we... well the thing is what I, we've talked about sort of we've used words like zip and pizzazz which is an interesting way of describing it and I call it <laughs> I call it sort of creativity that ability to um you know that moment of magic that creates a pass and you'll get a click like Thomas I was, Frank, I was yeah I was very very <laughs> tempted to but that, that that split second moment the kind of what I would call now a Sawyer's moment where he just sees a pass mm. that you don't that you that is impossible to make. So I I don't think that's a problem. Do you? Th- I think that's a definitely a problem. But do you think we're showing enough passion and desire moving forward? The, or the players are. 
Oh, passion and desire. I mean, yeah, that's that's stuff that's hard to quantify, and what you can't really know. Do, do, do you think? Do you think that's being displayed by the players enough? Uh, I, I think what you're probably more getting at is: Are we getting enough from these central midfielders? I think that's a big thing. That's a big thing, and I, I don't mm. think we are. I think if you looked at the Stoke centre midfielders, the Tabor and Die, I, I would swap those boys on in a heartbeat for the what we sort of dished up on Saturday and I, I that pains me to say that a bit <laughs> the two that the two that we had on the weekend are they look quite short of where we need them to be and if you look at just compare it to last season what we were dealing with it's a it's a big drop off so we're kind of dealing with that we're also dealing with a lot of players adjusting to this team we're slightly weaker at the back because we don't have Barbe who's who's like a number 10 playing center back <laughs> we're there's a lot that's, that's sort of e- eking away at this side and coming together it's just not quite it's just not quite far I think that's one of the key things the way we were bringing it out from the back last season and this season you know is as you can see it's the arrogance has gone hasn't it Mm. yeah we just used to stroke it around from the back and now it just looks like a struggle Mm. Stroke it around from the back. Steady on, GP. Um, <laughs> do you think, um, it's a family do, show. Uh, do we think that there are any sort of positives that we could could have taken from that game? Because I'm struggling. I was struggling. I'll admit this, Matt. I was struggling to sort of sit there and go, right, what was actually good? And I stopped at Andy Warmer falling over. Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked the question because I was worried about asking the question about positives because I wasn't sure what I was going to get back from you guys. Yeah. Um, I, one positive I will take, I think, is that it was a clean, another clean sheet. Mm-hmm. And we've had quite a few of those this season. Yeah, that's that's okay, isn't it? It's clean sheet. No, it is good. It should be it's more good. positive about that. I, I think the positive is seeing Corellis. Um, I yeah. thought he was the invisible man. I don't think he actually existed until Saturday. We've seen him mm-hmm. in the flesh. That's really nice. Mini Malpe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, physically, he looks similar to Malpe. And good potential. I, I like what I've seen with him. And if he gets a run of games, maybe... So, so yeah, just what you say, you start a season with sort of Watkins up top and then Bremer on the right... You tend to don't you don't finish a season really how you started. I think last year we started with Josh McKeck and bossing our midfield. <laughs> yeah. Who could envisage that not happening in sort of three months' time? But we could see Corellas be our main number nine, and then Watkins back on the right, dovetailing with Mbemo or Ben Rama. And uh, yeah, I, I just think Corellas is one to keep an eye on. Yes, As yeah. I, I can just see it's going to click. It will click, but. I don't know if it's going to be soon. <laughs> That's the problem. I think, yeah, and interesting. One of the fans as well in that audio did say we could do so much more with the setup. It does feel mm. like there's this crescendo, this crescendo that might just get there. Will it happen soon enough? Here's what Thomas Frank had to say after the game. I think um, when to start with the positive first, uh, we, um, we we were very solid again defensively giving almost nothing away throughout the game there was this incident I, mean, I haven't seen it back on video but uh, where David make a good save but when we're established and counter-attacking set pieces extremely solid extremely strong again that's the thing we've been working very very hard on um, so that's that's the plus side of, of, of the game today um, um, then the thing that we need well, which is, is disappointing is the offensive side. Everybody knows that we are a very good attacking side when we are going forward, and um, it's obvious that we are uh, searching for for the right formula. And, and but actually, I think we have the formula. It's more that momentum to get that engine up and going 100 
100 miles power um, because we have the players and we know what we want to do. But sometimes you can't force like Stephen Rao. We know he's one of the best players in the league. He's been out for four, five months, and you know he's fighting very hard to get back on at his highest level. And we have a young Brandon Bremel. You know he's a really good player, but also finding his feet. We have Matthias Jensen. I think he's a really good player. Also, you know you need to, to get up to to the to, to the maximum. So I think it's it's, it's clear Nikos was coming off the bench um, his first. Um, Experience for for Brentford FC, you can also see that he's not there yet. So so that's the thing we are we are working with very very hard on, on the training pitch, and we just need to continue that. And and and, and you know, I keep believing, and I'm I'm not in doubt at all that we will get up there um, in terms of, of the high offensive uh, performances because we saw that against Derby. Okay, that was ooh, that was good, and we need to get up there again. Then the next bit is. Stoke came here with a good game plan. Uh, they did, did everything they could to to not deny us chances, and they are fighting for their lives. And you can see that uh, today. So it's not like you just click like that and then you just tap teams apart. So I think th- I think that's the very positive and very consistent thing we need to hold on to. That solidness and that strong defensive look we have. And then we need to get up to speed on the on the def, uh, offensive part. Also, we all know time is a, is a is a factor in football, and I think all us players, staff, fans, we are we are of course disappointed that we didn't get three points and a and a nice win and a lot of goals and uh, at Griffin Park uh, today. Um, but unfortunately, that's the way it is, and we we just need to to please keep going, get players up to to the right speed, get it clicking. Then then I'm 100% sure I know we'll be a big threat. Touch on getting players up to speed. Brentford fans saw the first of, of Nikos Koredis today. Yeah, uh, it's good. He's been working very, very hard, and we've been pushing him very hard to, to get up to, to fitness because he's also been out for a long time. Um, and I'm 100% sure that he can be a, a player that can help us. Uh, then, then we have some options in, in terms of what, what is the best um, uh, front three. Um, how can we do that in the in the best possible way? And um, we just need to. To find that that solution, but also for, for different games, we can find different uh, use different players. Everybody, we come to Griffin Park, we want and expect three points. Sometimes you can't get it for various reasons. Um, today we couldn't, and then we need to get a point and then then build from there. Well, he did the clicks. Do you think he's becoming aware, Thomas Frank, that he does these clicks? He's kind of getting close to Harry Redknapp's Triffic and Brendan Rodgers is absolutely magnificent. <laughs> uh, I think that's a question you'd have to, you'd have to ask him. What I'm, what I'm hoping he's, he, he's becoming aware of is the formation, to be quite honest. I think that's that's going to be the talking point um, later on. But I'm, I... Th- I don't know. It's, again, it's another. Quite, it was another quite a sort of flat, reserved interview from from Frank, which again is very, very unlike him. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of just a couple of points that he picked up on. He mentioned players like Ben Rama, players like Corellis. Um Now. Ben Rama, he mentioned, has been out for five months and he's still trying to find his feet. He started the last three or four games. Corellis, oh yeah, he's not. You he, he can tell he's just not quite ready. So why did we loan out Marcus Force? So uh, I want to just ask um, ask you guys here. Do you think we've made a mistake in loaning out Marcus Force? Oh, in an answer, I mean, we haven't scored in quite a few games, you'd say yes, but it's a wider issue, isn't it? It's, it's more about him. You've got to ask him as an individual, does he want to sit on the bench most of the season and come on for five minutes here, or is his development better suited at, mm. at Wimbledon where he's going to get 70 minutes, 80, 65, and um, yeah, just do well in League One. So 
I'm going to say no. We haven't actually there. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, and I'm just I'm just sort of looking at the sort of the squads that he keeps putting out. He seems to be quite wedded to the expensive new signings. You know, you look at the the fees that we paid and the players like you know Jensen, Norgard, um, and Mbuemo. Uh, do you think that he's sort of too wedded to these new players when he's got sort of really good, experienced Championship and uh, English football? Um, players on the bench like Camo Makocho and Ethan Pinnock. Thing is, though, um, bearing in mind that Camo went, um, obviously did the um, African Nations Cup mm-hmm. in the summer, um, we remember that um, Dalsgaard came back after the World Cup looking very flat. And is that in the back of his mind? Probably why you know if you've got players of that quality available to you um, there, he probably sees. I imagine he sees it as less of a need to be rushing Camo back. Um, bearing in mind that the best we've looked attacking has been when Camo has been on the pitch. It has seemed to, you know, this season has seemed to really kind of like release our midfield a bit more and we look to have a bit more of an attacking threat for midfield. Um, so, yeah, I think he is, I, mean, I think he just has faith in um, the two guys he's brought in. He knows, I mean, the two, they are quality. Um, but as you know, as we've said many times um, today already, it is g- going to take time to, for these new guys to bed in. It is indeed. Now, formation. We are going to get onto that one next. Before that, just a quick revelation that Leeds United have been awarded the FIFA Men's Fair Play Award. <laughs> Quite an unbelievable award there for Leeds United. I'm not sure many people Crikey. expected that. But yes, formation coming up next on the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport. This is Love Sport on the Brentford Fan Show. Me, Matt Beadle here with the boys from Besotted. We're just still getting over the fact that Leeds United and Marcelo Bielsa have been awarded the FIFA Fair Play <laughs> Award. Quite stunned in the studio here. But Robin Hood, you made a very good point about the fact that Pontus Janssen was probably heavily involved in that and he's now a Brentford player. Yeah, it was the one, um, well, the, sort of the incident we're sort of referring to, which they might have been awarded for, was um, giving the ball back to Aston Villa, or allowing Aston Villa to score following um, failing to put the ball out when one of the Villa players was on the ground. Um, so, and, then, and I was just thinking that the, the one player that tries to prevent that and tries to hack the ball away was ne- is now our club captain so I take some solace in that yeah. and he of course is at the focal point of this formation that Thomas Frank is playing 3-4-3 three, three. why uh, why is Thomas Frank persisting with it are we happy does there need to be a change of course there needs to be a change I mean it's, uh, for me it's, it's, it's clearly not working I'm going to throw over to Dave to XG Dave on this because he's, he's made some very good points previously but yeah it's, it's, I, th- I think it's quite clear to me that it needs to change yeah I think in the beginning I think we have to look at how Frank so he's probably take, he's taken this job we've conceded goals we, remember that period where we saw lost to Sheffield United 3-2 we lost uh, as well. there was the three or four QPR. games in a row where we could just conceded sort of three goals in 15 18 minute periods Preston was in there as well mm. So Frank has sold this dream of I'm going to get this this te- I'm going to get this team up by uh, through defensive stability and then we'll let the attack take care of itself. So this is why he just wants three. He just wants three centre backs there who are competent and exceptional defenders, and then you build from that. But the problem I think we've just sort of gone full circle now. We we. We, we've upgraded our defenders, so if you think now we've got, yeah, Pontus in there, um, Pinnock, just one promotion with Barnsley, we're, we're much better defensively on these one-on-one situations. So now we, instead what we're doing is we're just sort of plonking better defenders in there who aren't necessarily as good ball players as the previous ones. And it's it's having a bit of a negative effect on us. Uh, I think I think it's got to shift as well, I really do. Yep, joining us now on that very debate is Jerno Jim Levac. Jim, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, not too bad. Hi, guys. Hi Jim. Hi Jim. Hi Jim. We're talking formation, Jim. Do you think it's the problem? 
Um, to a degree, yeah. I mean, I was just listening to the tail end of the last uh, comment, and I agree. I think part of the problem is we haven't got any of those three at the back now who bring the ball out and break through the press. Um, and, and by doing that, you sort of get past the first extra man that they've got, and then, you, you know, you've got more options. Um, Personnel-wise, yeah, I agree. I think we're a lot more solid at the back. Uh, first question I had for Thomas Frank after the game on Saturday was, you know, is it? But you look, your defensive mindset is working clearly, but isn't it now time that we free up the shackles going forward a little bit more? Um, I t- t- but formation's one thing, but I, t- I you know, we've got good players. Um, I would like to see us go to four at the back, maybe even the five. One, two, and then, you know, fluid up top. Um, but at the end of the day, the big issue is that we've scored no goals in five games, and, and that's not Thomas Frank's fault, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, James Robin, how are you doing? Um, I, understand that you are, I understand that you are 2-0 two, two and o on, in ping-pong today. I am in Woodworth, <laughs> yeah, and no, no problem at all so far. Fantastic. Would you, say that, would you say that's down to defensive stability or being a bit more fluid going, <laughs> for, going up the other end of the court? No. Actually, I've been playing for a few seasons, and it's all about being more aggressive on the attack. Oh, and funny, I think that. that's what we need. <laughs> yeah, we funny. Need to I think you maybe should have mentioned that to Thomas Frank. Um, but yeah, thanks very much for joining us, mate. I just want to sort of let's just try, I just want to try and sort of quantify this and look at it a bit more objectively. Were, in your opinion, do you think Stoke City? Um, were uh, was it just was it just as bad as we're making out to be, or was it a bad day at the office against actually quite a well-organised team? It, it was bad because it was dull and it was predictable and it was one uh, tempo. Um, there were three or four occasions where we got flashes of, of what we are capable of, and I'm sure, you know, that that, that were those sort of tic tac tic tac movement and finish will will come as the season goes on and the players get to know each other. But you know, the, the way we're playing now is different without more pay to hold the ball up. Because um, he was a little lad, but he was strong as an ox, and he would run into channels and hold the ball while the midfield came and joined in. I, th- I think, you know, we haven't got a natural centre forward. Whatever way Thomas wants to put the gloss on it, and he said in a press conference a few weeks ago, Ollie's our number nine now. Well, it's not the kind of thing that you would normally say if if you were concerned about that position. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think the failure to get in a centre forward, which is no fault of Thomas Franks, and to replace, dare I say, it Remain, because I always get shot down in, in flames when I mention <laughs> Remain, so as, but, yeah. um, you know, I think, I think they're two key things, and it will take longer than we thought to, to, to come good, but it will. Um, and, yeah, it was bad, because we've, we've not scored in five games. End of story. So that being the thing, Jim, it's Gary here. Um, obviously, we saw Corellis make his debut on Saturday, um, do you see that we should be maybe thinking about moving Watkins um, back onto either the wings or in the middle? I think so, yeah. I mean, as he gets more match fit, Corellis, there were a couple of little flashes where he tried to sort of bulldoze his way through and he nearly, you know, it's, on another day the ball runs through him and he scores. He was in the right place at the end. Um, you know, it's, if he's not making that run, that's when I'd be worried. So he's clearly got a centre-forward instinct there. Um, and another day scores and he's a hero and we're one nil and everyone's happy. Hi Jim, it's David. Well, happier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Slightly. <laughs> Hi Jim, yeah, David here. Um 
Like, the last few weeks we've been talking, and sort of Billy brought this up, and we're trying to get to the bottom of whether, whether another coach would get more out of this squad and whether they'd do more with this side. And uh, we both saw Nathan Jones and Thomas Frank speaking on the weekend. Do you, what, what's your feeling? Do you, do, you think, do you think Nathan Jones would do more with this side? Or just for maybe not him, just someone else as well. But they think how ruthless he's been in the sense of sort of dropping Woodsy. He's nowhere near that team. Um, Hogan's on the bench. He's had, he's had a lot to do there and a lot to deal with. And tactically as well, sort of out, out-thought yeah. us. What, 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 do you feel about, what do you feel about Jones? I, say, I mean, you say tactically outsourced us. We've got a bank of five and a bank of four. I mean, you know, and, and they defended with, with, you know, massive arts, and that's that's a large part of it. And, yeah, and they had a few chances to break at the end. I mean, I, I don't think that Nathan Jones, given the situation where we have five new players coming in, in, in the side, um, some of them new to the championship, some of them new to English football, I don't think he'd get any more out of it than Thomas. Frank would or is um, and I think we should be patient and stick with Thomas Frank I really do because he is you know he understands our system our model you know and I think similarly to players who play for us and then go away to other clubs and don't achieve I think the same could possibly be said of managers coming into us I, I, you know I, I wouldn't say that Nathan James record is like I can't help but pick up on a point you made there, Jim. That uh, the fact that I, 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 I'm sort of um, with you. I, th- I do think that Thomas Frank. I think he's he's a man of integrity. I think he's definitely got some tactical nows and some coaching nows. But you picked up the you made the point there, and I'm, I'm just going to try and quote you word for word that he said he knows our system, he knows our our ethos. Now, is he just too wedded to that though? He seems to be. He, he said he knows the system. He knows the three at the back. Okay, and it's what's worked for him in the past, and it's what Dave made the point of. Um, it help fix the defensive frailties last year that given our signings don't exist at the moment so do you think he's too wedded to that system um <clears throat> i think you've got to have principles on you and he's sticking to them at the moment but this this club of ours has has shown previously where they maybe haven't got things right that they are prepared to change you know, and that's why i like about the club there's a you know this this there's not an arrogance behind the scenes. You've got people like Kevin O'Connor, who I'm sure will have his have his say, um, right up to Matthew Bennett, who also probably thinks, "Hey, come on, Thomas, this this maybe isn't working. Should we try something else?" Um, but you have to stick to your, your principles. And you know, on the plus side, we are harder to beat. We're you know we're not letting many goals in. But the big problem is we're not scoring enough. Um, now, you know, as, as somebody said just a minute ago, you put Ollie Watkins back on the flank, Corellis gets fit um, and starts scoring goals, and then it's a whole new ball game, isn't it? Yes, uh, so is that something that you... Is that something... Do you see us clicking? Because, um, I mean, I did see on Saturday there was quite a lot of, you know, there were balls into Ben Rama's feet where he's... You know, whereas normally his first touch is so good, it it was very poor on Saturday, and you know, second and third touch was bringing the ball under control. So yeah. I did see a bit of that. Games. He's only two games back, really, isn't he? I mean, he's not he's not um, not had much of a of a run of games. I mean, I think he started the last four. I think has he had the whole game though I mean his match fitness I think he had the whole derby game he had the whole derby game he had the whole Preston game I believe he had the whole the whole game on Saturday oh I'm wrong then (laughs) (laughs) yeah no I mean you know there's there's a lot of rumblings does he does he want to sort of be at the club I don't know I don't know you know certainly he's got the the talent to sort of to to sort of turn our 
have a turn, make a turning point for us. Um, but you know, equally, if he, if he doesn't want to do it, which I doubt, to be honest, because he because he's going to want his move, isn't he? Um, then you know, we've got enough strength and depth in that squad to to bring somebody else in. I would say that when uh, Clamo came on in the second half, I thought we things started to sort of flow a bit more smoothly. Um, from defence through the midfield up to attack, you know, and that's when we create so two or three chances. Jim, you sound so. confident and positive. I like what I'm hearing. Well, you've got to be, haven't you? <laughs> you know, you've got to try um, to be anyway. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I heard a lot on the Shotted uh, podcast last week about, you know, the 30 million side. I, I don't think money is the issue here because what we're buying is potential. You know, we're... And Buemo, he's not, he's not set the world alight yet, but he will be a really good player. Um, you know, but you've, you look at Neil Mopé, it took him sort of three quarters of a season to sort of get used to it. And it is a demanding, ruthless, relentless league, you know. And you can't expect people to, to slot straight in. Norgard, Jensen, five new players in a team, you know, and, and hit the ground running. I don't think that's, I don't think that's uh, realistic. Nice one, Jim. Thanks for joining cheers, us, buddy. Jim, thanks, yeah, cheers, Jim. Thank you. Okay. Cheers. That was Jerno Jim Levac. We are going to be reflecting on what he had to say and looking at things to be great. It's the Brentford Fan Show on Lust Sport. We've got about nine minutes left with the boys from Besotted. Robin Hood, McMichael, XG, Dave and Gary, GP, Hi. Paul. We've just spoken to Jerno Jim Levac there and we're going to discuss a bit more about his thoughts on formation. And uh, Robin Hood, you've got a question you'd like to pose. Yeah, I've got a question. Are we boring now? <laughs> and I don't talk about us. I mean, uh, the jury's still out on that. But uh, so Brentford Football Club, well, I was just making the point that one thing, the one thing I would say that we haven't been since sort of maybe 2009, 2010 is boring. We, there's, you know, it's, there's always um, an exciting buzz around the, the way we play, around sort of Griffin Park, night games, we've got, you know, the occasional big cup tie and some really, really fast flea frit. <laughs> free-flowing <laughs> football um, <laughs> un, 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 you know, under the stewardship of some fantastic managers but now is, is this, and I want to bring it back to the formation is it just inhibiting us too much and are we a little bit boring I don't think so I think the, we're just lacking that fluidity that we had when we were banging in five go- goals against like, the likes of Hull and um, Blackburn last year where you know we just seem to be able to create lots of chances albeit we didn't take them all mm. on, in some games and again we were Obviously, we were conceding at the back, but as I say, I think it's the fluidity that we're missing, and maybe it's because, as uh, as was mentioned, when you know, whereas our defenders in the past were bringing it out, and evening out, as Jim said, sort of evening out, taking out that first line of um, opposition players, just opening it and opening up the opposition. We just don't seem to be able to do that at the moment. Yeah, I think that's what, when you say as a team boring, basically you're saying, do they create anything? Do they shoot? Do they score? And it's, it's all the attacking things, really. And I think, I think there is an element of us actually being a little bit boring in that sense. <laughs> yes, there is. Because we're not doing those things at the rate or the consistency that we used to. And something that made us look fluid and beautiful to watch was things like Sawyer's, the way he sort of could, he could be on the edge of our own box and then sort of three passes later, he'd be on the edge of the opposition box. And it's that fluidity mm. of, and class of player as well so there is an element of probably what's happening is to to actually get anywhere I mean, maybe we do need to get a bit more boring and this, mm. this is the long game so 
I think I think we are a little bit. People, there'll be a lot of people who told you they were bored on the Saturday. Don't be worried about that. They mm. were bored, but is this the long game? Is this is this how we're going to get anywhere? Maybe, maybe we've got to try something else. What we've been doing before hasn't worked. I think the analogy I'll use is that um, we're in second gear with a clear road ahead of us, and we've got a full tank tank of petrol. And I don't understand what is stopping us from just. We just need to let loose a little bit and just you know put a foot on the throttle. That's why I think. At, le- at least you're there though. At least there's light, or <laughs> hopefully light at the end of the tunnel, and you're not just staring into the abyss of a, <laughs> no. a miserable season. Yeah. There is the hope that do you know what, like we say, if, if it clicks, then things might start yeah, to look up. There is there's talent there. This squad has got some talent. I think there'd be a lot of other teams and uh, sort of fans who'd look at ours and think, yes, I, I'd like some of that. It's just that uh, are we going to get enough out of them? And is this is this formation going to sort of maximise our players' potential? And that's that's something that we're not quite seeing at the moment. Mm, no, absolutely not. Well, things to be see what we've done there. Be grateful for. Love a good pun. We do love <laughs> a good pun, but there are a few, right? Coming yeah, from Saturday, sorry. absolutely. Um, well, so sort of coming from Saturday. Whilst I think we've we've spent sort of the past forty-five minutes or so talking um, in great detail about a rather dull, uninspiring and um, sort of lacklustre effort from players in order to please, you know, please the fans that turned up for the game. Um, and sort of sitting, you know, today we were thinking, right, OK, it, what's happening? What's, it's not always about what's on the pitch. It's about what's happening off the pitch as well. Uh, and we picked out uh, quite a few things that um, happened in and around the club on Saturday, not necessarily on the pitch. That's not what we want to talk about now. Um, but we realised, and what I was sort of quite grateful for, despite what was happening on the pitch, was uh, that we really are a club in the community. We are a community club. We are, you know, something that people can be proud of, something that fans can be proud of to attend. Um, and um, just today, actually, on the uh, on the Twitter sphere and on the on the on the old WhatsApp, um, an article came through, which I'm going to invite um, actually Dave to just uh, talk through, which was actually something quite inspiring. I really did like it. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll do. Oh, yeah, just read you a little line of this. Uh, it's just I felt like I've got to. It's quite beautiful stuff. Uh, I didn't take a photo of Teddy's face as he walked into the football stadium for the first time, but I shan't forget it. My five-year-old son's eyes widened. His mouth mouth opened a little and he began to smile. Brentford's players were warming up for their contest with Stoke City. Griffin Park was filling up and there was a roar as the clock ticked down to kick off. The grass looks so green, Daddy, he said. And then that's just the intro to just this wonderful story about uh, uh, Matthew Saeed's son. So I read this in the Times. Um, five-year-old Teddy going to football for the first time and um, his grandfather had gone to Brentford since, well, quite a long time ago. And it was just a wonderful story about sort of what it means for a new player, a new young child to go to football for the first time. The players, probably how big they are, the, the grass being so green and lush. Um, it was just a really lovely story. And yeah, if you can, if you can get yourself hold of a time subscription because it is behind a paywall, which is sad about news sometimes but grab someone else who's got one it's really nice if you haven't read it I make, uh, make sure you do Matthew Side Peace in the Times yeah it, it, it harked me back to when I first attended Griffin, Griffin Park it yeah. really did sort of make me and it, and it was a real nostalgia trip and, I, and it was Hartlepool at home yeah. and it was a really wet and windy horrible day in November and I remember I still remember Warren Aspinall and Dan, Darren Freeman scoring with the long curly hair so it really did it made me it made me feel six years old again yeah it does remind you of that I, mean, I remember mine I think my first first thing I remember was Terry Airlock just sending somebody flying and <laughs> 
Uh, those were the days. But that, yeah. that, that's, that's the only thing about new stadiums. And of course, Brentford are going to be moving to a lovely, shiny, plush new stadium. But those first memories of being at a ramshackle ground, yeah. I think, are going to be a thing of the past because you're going to be in a nice little seat and have a good view of the ground. I think, yeah. yeah, it's absolutely. It's a luxury that a lot of the a lot of fans of um, I don't want to say bigger clubs, but sort of more prestigious clubs that you know your Man Uniteds, your Chelsea's, your Arsenal's. Something that they don't have is that sort of you know it's a it's a horrible cold day and you're standing on terraces but that don't have a roof mm. and the and the tea that you've got is cold. It's, and, and it's that kind of that kind of experience that really it really does harden you as a football fan yeah, to go raw, through. Isn't it? it is really really raw. Uh, and then so that was more sort of um, in uh, sort of post match. Uh, and uh, I think considering that, that was a nil nil draw, the fact that Matthew Said um, had that kind of experience for a nil nil draw means he's he's set for the future. If he can yeah. have, fall in love with football that way, it's going to be brilliant. So future B there, future B right Definitely. there. Um, but then there was a couple of things that uh, that were also going on the day. Uh, first thing I want to point out is uh, Munsumar Kawa. Uh, she's a ten year old girl that um, was. Uh, this, her story basically goes, if I've got this right, that she was um, not allowed to play football in the park with um, people, and uh, this obviously made her, made her very very sad and uh, and made us sort of not not really feel like she wanted to get back into football and get into football and so Brentford obviously Brentford FC uh, and Ryan Murrant at the um at the club got in got involved uh, and invited her along to be the her and her family to be the mascots for the day and um yeah seeing seeing her seeing her warm up with the um a couple of the substitutes on the day that was just something really really heartwarming and again just hammered home the same thing the same sort of feeling that um Teddy side would have had would have felt but from a different sort of perspective and mm. it's just that inclusivity and that bringing people together they say football's a universal language and i think brentford really demonstrated that yeah you're bang on football in the community absolutely there is one more point with the cry uk yeah so cry uk just for for those that don't know um is uh, cardiac risk in the young it's a charity that's dedicated towards um uh, research and sort of uh, it follows on basically from the death of robert rowan um last year which was uh, something that hit the club massively he was 28 years old and um, Cardiac Risk in the Young supports those affected by uh, young cardiac death and funds and uh, helps fund research, screening, screening um, and cardiac pathology and sports cardiology centres uh, to prevent this kind of thing from happening, particularly in the world of sport. Uh, and again, this was this was far this is far more purely Brentford. This was someone who helped um, shape the careers of players like Chris Meppham uh, and some of the first team players that have gone and like Romain Sawyers that have gone on to do bigger things. He was not just a big bloke but uh, had a big heart and had a big role to play in um, Brentford's uh, success and stability over the past few years and um, on, the tw- on the 28th minute we had um, a uh, club uh, stadium wide round of applause and I noticed that the Stoke fans joined in as well and we were entirely yeah, grateful. it was wonderful them. wasn't it? It was really really yeah. wonderful. No, top stuff. Well, fellas, we are out of time, I'm afraid. We'll look ahead, of course. We'll look back, indeed, on that game against Barnsley next week. Let's hope things will look up on the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 
24 7 365 days of the year let's all take a moment to talk more than football away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans